Oh, yes. Happy Thursday, everybody. A little bit later edition of MLB Morning Coffee today, but we are here from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. My name is Greg Mraz, your host. As always, glad that you're listening to the show. Hope that you are safe and sound wherever you are. couple of housekeeping items, as always. Make sure you write a review Leave a rating and subscribe to the show. It helps our metrics tremendously. Also, go back and listen to some of our older episodes. I encourage you to listen to the Coffee Conversations with Braden Bishop of the Seattle Mariners because he articulates a lot of points in that conversation that I want to bring up today. That's the best perspective that we've gotten from the player side of things in regards to what it's going to take for the players to want to play. And the thing that I am looking at now, and I take one example of some news that happened yesterday and use it as the microcosm of the battle that the owners and the players' union are having, is this. The Oakland Athletics, who are owned by John Fisher, who is the heir to the Gap Company throne, and somebody that who is personally worth $2.1 billion. John Fisher's Oakland Athletics, who choose time and time again to be cheap, declined to pay their $1.2 million rent on the Oakland Coliseum for this season. Why? Because they're not using it. The city of Oakland has been time and time again screwed by professional sports teams. The Oakland Raiders come back from Los Angeles prior to the 1996 season. They get the city of Oakland to foot a $95 million bill to renovate the Coliseum for football. And the Raiders leave scot-free, going to Las Vegas, and still owing the city of Oakland $50-plus million. The Golden State Warriors still owe the city of Oakland money for the redo to Oracle Arena. And the Oakland Athletics, who have more than enough money yet refuse to spend it, are not going to pay rent to the Coliseum Authority, who at this point in time needs that money for the people of the city of Oakland that need it. People need that money. Cities need that money. Civic institutions at this point in time during a pandemic need that money. I grew up an Oakland A's fan. I still love the A's. That doesn't mean that I have to be happy with the decisions that they make. This is a microcosm for the battle between owners and players right now. Owners, in a sense, want to be able to save every single penny that they have when their wealth is exponential in comparison to your average Major League Baseball player. Your average Major League Baseball player, the minimum, is a salary of around $550,000, which is still a lot of money. John Fisher is worth $2.1 billion on his own. His personal wealth is $2.1 billion. John Fisher could build with his personal wealth and the value of the Oakland Athletics, he could build a new stadium for the A's. Does he choose to do so? No, he chooses not to. Why? Quite simply, John Fisher doesn't want to spend the money. A lot of owners don't want to spend the money that's necessary 
to be able to satisfy the players. When you heard Blake Snell talk in the way that he did last week, and Bryce Harper follow up on that, look, Bryce Harper makes a boatload of money. More money than 99% of all professional baseball players. But Bryce Harper, his yearly salary pales in comparison to the money that all of these owners have. If baseball does not come back this season, it is going to be because the owners did not satisfy the players financially. And the players want to be satisfied financially because of the risk that comes into play with a restart of a Major League Baseball season. We all know that the virus is what decides what is safe and what is not. We cannot jump the shark on anything. And Major League Baseball knows that it has to put stringent safety protocols in any restart plan or else you're not going to get an agreement from the players' union. The players do not want to be put in harm's way. And thank goodness for baseball players that they have a union because there are a lot of athletes, mainly college sports, that they may not have a choice. Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith said that he envisions 30,000 people in the stands this year for Ohio State football games. Ohio Stadium holds over 100,000 people. But still, you want to put 30,000 people inside a football stadium? How are you going to safely social distance? The key is that you can't. You simply cannot do it. And the problem now that baseball is facing is that baseball doesn't seem to necessarily care about the players, just like Ohio State, in that scenario, doesn't care about the safety of anybody involved with trying to bring fans inside a stadium as soon as September. I think we can all agree that we cannot have sports with spectators in 2020. I think we agreed upon that a month ago. And the fact that people think that this is possible knowing that the virus is not contained and that there could be a second wave of it and that there's no vaccine, to me, it is socially irresponsible to think this way. And it is socially irresponsible for the owners to want to strip players of the money that they were already promised when the risk for the players of contracting the virus or getting hurt is exponentially greater than that of the owners when the owners have more money than the players do in relative comparison. And for me, baseball is entering dire straits because if the owners cannot get off of their selfish, greedy butts and pay the players what they already agreed to pay the players to, this is the problem I have. This is the problem that Blake Snell and Bryce Harper and anybody else has. In March, we talked about this, in March, Major League Baseball agreed with the Players Union to prorated salaries. They agreed to prorated salaries based on how many games were going to be played that year. If you're going to play 82 games, which is basically half the season, you know, one game more than half a season, you, in theory, are paying every player exactly half of what they were owed. Exactly half. 
your payroll for this year is slashed in half. You can do that. If you own a Major League Baseball team, you should be able to pay your players half of what you owed them. The TV revenue should be able to offset that. And by the way, you should be able to pay all of your front office employees. As of right now, the San Francisco Giants are the only team that has agreed to pay team employees for the entire Major League Baseball season. No layoffs, no furloughs, no firings, no what have you. It's not like these teams don't have money. You know, when Tom Ricketts goes on some Cubs Zoom Live and says that the Cubs' revenue is 70% of their game day revenue, that's BS. It's 40% for most teams. Maybe max it out at 50. But 70%? Are you kidding me? Are you Tom Ricketts, CEO of TD Ameritrade, trying to cry poor because you're not going to get the money that you thought you were? That's total bull. Come on. I don't like Tom Ricketts because this is the guy that is the epitome of selfish greed. Let's take a look. I want to look on Forbes. What is Tom Ricketts worth? We said that John Fisher was worth $2.1 billion, and he's one of the, relatively speaking, poorer owners. So I'm on Forbes.com right now as we're recording, trying to figure out how much Tom Ricketts is worth. And the fact that Tom Ricketts and the Chicago Cubs won't pay Chris Bryant. That, to me, is BS. Tom Ricketts won't pay Chris Bryant when he and the Cubs have all the money in the world. They print money in Wrigleyville. They print it. All right, the Ricketts family, as of July 1st, 2015, this was the whole Ricketts family, Joe Ricketts, Tom Ricketts, they're worth $4.5 billion. And you can't pay Chris Bryant. And you're against paying players what they are already owed. That you agreed, the players union agreed, to take prorated salaries. To effectively take half of what they're owed. You're worth, as a family, $4.5 billion? And you're asking players to take less money? When, especially in the case of the Chicago Cubs... You have your own TV network. You are gaining 100% of the revenues from that TV network. You don't owe it to a TV partner because you are the TV network. This is what is going to kill baseball. That owners are so concerned about keeping the money to themselves and the greed and the gall of trying to suck every last penny out of every single person that they can, that they are not going to be able to come to an agreement with the Major League Baseball Players Association because it is more important for them to make their maximum money than it is to compensate players fairly, given that playing baseball right now is a health risk. Having that many people around in one facility at one time is a health risk. Oh, and by the way, the collective bargaining agreement is up after 2021. 
if you don't think after all of this that there isn't going to be a labor dispute, you must be living under a rock. At least in my opinion, you are. Now, you may be listening to this and saying, well, Greg, you're siding with guys that are already making way more money than you might ever dream of. And you know what? That might be true. But I also believe in getting what is owed to you. Whose decision was it to pay baseball players this much money? The owners. The players' union, in every collective bargaining agreement, has been able to collectively bargain a higher and higher salary floor. You may not like how much money baseball players make in an era where 30 million people are out of work and rising, but they signed contracts that owe them that money. You, the owners, agreed to guaranteed baseball contracts. Do not violate contracts. Breaking a promise is one of the worst things that you can do. Basically, the owners are trying to break the promises that they have made to all of these players. And to me, there is nothing more tone deaf from the side of ownership than what John Fisher just did by stiffing the city of Oakland, Alameda County, and the Coliseum Authority the $1.2 million, a drop in the bucket for him that you owed them. Pay them their damn money. Money at this point is going to permanently damage baseball. And I want to read you a column from Bob Nightingale from USA Today. He shares the sentiment about how money is going to permanently damage the game of baseball. Just like it did in 1994 when the owners, through a fit, did not complete the baseball season and took years to gain back the fans they lost due to that labor stoppage. Here's the column from Bob Nightingale. Stop it. Enough already. We want to watch New York Yankees ace Garrett Cole face Boston Red Sox slugger J.D. Martinez at Yankee Stadium. Not MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred and Players Union Chief Tony Clark arguing behind closed doors. We'd rather listen to the banging of trash cans at Minute Maid Park in Houston than the eerie silence of Major League Baseball parks across America. There are 36 million Americans who filed for unemployment the past two months during the coronavirus pandemic. Do you think they really care who is right or who is wrong as owners and players debate the economics of playing baseball without fans? The last thing anyone can stomach is listening to billionaires and millionaires arguing over money before they can start the 2020 baseball season. If the season was unable to start because of COVID-19, with too many players and employees fearful of their safety, it'd be perfectly understandable. If the season couldn't start because governmental and health officials refused to open their municipalities, that's their prerogative. But when MLB and the union are actively discussing an exhaustive safety and health plan that may be restrictive but perhaps necessary with states reopening and governors welcoming professional sports back, baseball cannot be shut down simply because of infighting over money. Pause here for a sec. This is the point I'm trying to get at. MLB, if it can't figure out the money situation, is basically going to be the lone sport that gets left out. Let's continue the article. 
If there is no Major League Baseball played this year because the owners and players can't agree on salaries, it would make the cancellation of the 1994 World Series feel like a doubleheader rain out in June. It would destroy the sport. Look, everyone in the game is going to lose money this year. Teams are projecting losses between $84 million to $312 million. Players will lose nearly half of their income with their upfront payments, paying players with guaranteed contracts $47.50 a day, ending May 24th. Team employees, from club presidents to their amateur scouts, are having their salaries slashed, with others being furloughed until the winter and many fearing they'll be terminated when their contracts expire in October. It's ugly, it's terrifying, it's heartbreaking. So please, now is not the time to try to win a public relations battle with the fans, leaking internal documents to the news media, or waging a war of words to legal teams. No one wants to hear it. Not now. The owners want to start the season by the first week of July, playing at least 82 regular season games, but insist it's economically impossible to play without fans unless the players agree to further salary reductions. The players want to play tomorrow, if they could, with at least a 100-game season, but have difficulty believing the owners will lose $4 billion this season if their salaries remain the same. They simply can't buy the notion teams will lose more money by playing than having no season, even without fans. Yet, with hopes of teams gathering for spring training by June 15th and playing games by July 4th, the two sides still have not had a single exchange of a proposed economic plan. MLB owners agreed to present a 50-50 revenue sharing plan 10 days ago, but once Clark and agent Scott Boris publicly decried the proposal, saying it would be immediately rejected, the union still hasn't received a proposal. The union may still scoff at any idea of a revenue sharing plan, but will tell you they are opening to listen to any MLB proposal that MLB will offer. MLB will tell you that if the union flatly refuses any revenue-sharing plan, then the union should propose an economic plan. It's possible this will come to an end this week. Let's hope. Manfred and MLB attorneys plan to present an economic plan to the union by Friday, two people with direct knowledge of the negotiations told USA Today Sports, perhaps outlining with greater detail their projected losses in 2020. The officials spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were unauthorized to publicly discuss the negotiations. The union is eagerly awaiting the proposal and then can spend the Memorial Day weekend pouring it over, formulating a counterproposal. The players want the owners to at least prove their economic duress, which they formally requested a week ago. If the owners demonstrate their projected financial losses, the players may be amenable to softening their stance on restructuring salaries, which already is costing them about $2 billion. Perhaps there can be a compromise if the two sides can agree to defer a portion of the salaries this season only to provide economic relief. Maybe the players will be willing to assume part of the risk if a second wave of the coronavirus prematurely ends the season, wiping out about $1 billion in anticipated postseason revenue with the expanded playoffs. Maybe it's as simple as the owners guaranteeing more regular season games to the players or even giving the union a cut of the postseason money. There is no drop-dead deadline for the negotiations, the two sides say, but the longer it drags out, the fewer games will be played and the more money will be lost. They each are hoping an agreement can be reached by June 3rd. This episode is publishing on May 21st, so there's not that much time left. Barely two weeks. We continue. The players report to spring training on June 10th. 
The regular season starts July 1st, and the entire postseason is completed by Halloween. It's still unfathomable, no matter how much the rhetoric is put on public display, to believe that baseball won't be played this summer. It will happen. Really, there is no choice. But the clock is ticking. It's time for baseball to save itself before it's too late. And that is the end of the article. So basically, this is what we've got at this point in time. We have owners who are basically trying to save every little penny that they can and the players calling BS on the owners crying poor. If they can't come to an agreement and baseball cannot return, it seems that based on the protocols outlined that we talked about on Monday, that it won't be for the lack of safety precautions, but rather that players don't feel like they're being compensated fairly enough for the risk that they are assuming. And let's just be clear, even though Major League Baseball is putting protocols in place, there is still assumed health risk if you play. And the players want to make sure that they are paid in full for doing something that is more dangerous than it would be otherwise. And to me, I side with the players. And for the owners, if you're worth multiple billions of dollars, shut up and pay the players their damn money. And that is how we'll walk it off here on MLB Morning Coffee. Have a great rest of your day. We'll catch you in the a.m.